In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew. Oh, hello. In the Lab time is now. Drew Doherty and the waving John Harris. Goodness gracious, man. We're what? Eight? Nine days away from the draft? Single digit days. I can't believe it. We got a lot going on in uh, in Houston Texans land. Heard last week from Nick Casario, and Nick Casario had a a, a a GM press conference, like every other Houston Texans GM press conference I've ever seen, for the most part, in which he was asked many many questions, and he was very uh, vague about what was coming up. Rick Smith did it. Bill O'Brien did it. I wasn't here before Rick Smith, but I'm sure um, Charlie Casserly to a degree did it. GMs don't say much this time of year. It's nothing new. It's going to continue on. And there's obviously a lot of questions surrounding uh, the quarterback of the team. And, you know, we can't talk about that really because of what's going on, but he couldn't either. He didn't either. And um, it was very, very, I guess, par for the course. Wouldn't you say so? I went, in with, no low, I went in with low expectations, you know, as far as <laughs> getting a lot of information. Yeah. And yeah. You know, he's supposed to do that, don't you think? I mean, I, I, I kind of thought that was how it would go, and it did. I think I would be a little bit disappointed if he had given us something, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I thought Scott Pioli, Scott Pioli told a great story. I don't know if you heard his story. He was on, I can't remember who, he was on somebody's podcast. And he was talking about Matt Light. You know, Scott Pioli used to be the Nick Casario for the Patriots before Nick Casario became Nick Casario. Scott Pioli was that guy. And in 2001, I think it was 2001, the... Patriots were interested in making Matt Light their second round pick. And I think it was, they were at 51. So they called uh, Light and they said, have you been talking to anybody? And he said, well, actually I'm on the phone with the Jets right now. Well, the Jets had picked number 59 and the Patriots were 51. And Pioli was like, hang on. Told Belichick and the Patriots, what was happening, they said, don't say anything about us calling you. And he was like, oh, okay, sure. The Patriots trade ahead of the Jets, <laughs> draft their cornerstone left tackle who protected Tom Brady for, you know, 10, 11 years or whatever it was, and away you go. And Pioli, you know, Pioli said it was one thing that we were able to do in New England that some of the teams can do some of the teams can't and that is you got to hold your water you can't just blurt out what you're going to do you can't make an information mistake and nick casario i'm sure has been schooled very often you cannot say anything in a press conference that doesn't get back to 31 other teams your scouts can't say anything on the road like hey yeah man we're looking at this super sleeper corner from western carolina it that's going that's going to get out even your presence at pro days and at uh the combine you know who you interview i mean think of all the people that in houston cover the team say oh well the texans interviewed this particular rookie prospect you and i both know that means diddly squat yeah they've drafted many guys that they never talked to once i I can't remember which i can't remember which one because i I'll tell you one. Back, like, but they've taken first rounders who have been very Kevin hurt. Johnson. Right. Kevin yeah. Johnson, they met at I, I asked Kevin about this. We actually talked about this on and off the air. 
Kevin said they met at the combine, had their 30 minute conversation or whatever it was at the combine. That was it. He said they didn't talk to him again. Mm-hmm. And that might have been why it was a little bit of a surprise why Kevin was, was the first round pick in 2015. There are certain spots in which, like, if the Jaguars went and had dinner with Trevor Lawrence, it would just be news. If the 49ers went and had dinner with Trevor Lawrence, all of a sudden it would be, okay, what does that mean? So there are different, you know, levels of all of this. But after the press conference was over, Nick joined Mark and I, and we had, you know, a two-on-one, you know, interview that we played last night on Texans All Access. And it was the same kind of thing. You know, he gave us – he gave us a little bit more, but nothing that you could go, oh, okay, that means they're drafting this yeah. or they're looking for this position. None of that. That's his, so, job. For, That's his job right now. Exactly. Invasive when talking to the public. You know, he, the other, and, and, and Rick Smith was the same way. The only thing yes. you, you would get at that pre-draft press conference from Rick Smith were, A, he would start out by saying, I'm not going to give you guys anything. I mean, he made it a point <laughs> to say that. And yeah. he was trying to be helpful and to be courteous <laughs> yeah. by saying that. But then yeah. B, he always he always said with a smile, he's like, well, I used to be a defensive back, so you know yes. I always like to take a corner or two in the draft, which m- many times he did, sometimes right. he did not. But those were the only – and you, there are probably a few other things that I'm forgetting, but those were the two things with a Rick Smith press conference that you could bank on. And yes. Casario is kind of following in those same sort of footsteps as – you know, a lot of the good GMs have and do around the NFL. There's, there's nothing you're going to get from pre-draft interviews other than the media being able to ask the questions that they've been sitting on for a while. And obviously here lately, that's been the Deshaun question, but nobody in our building, no matter what they're doing in any way, shape or form, TV, radio, podcast, anything can say anything about, about Deshaun. A, we don't really want to be, we can't and see, there isn't anything that we can speak on. Yeah. So we, we can't do it. Uh, and so to your point about Rick, which I always thought was funny, he would talk about drafting a corner and, and once you have, you know, sort of a, a trend that has been acknowledged, not only by, you know, the people in your city, the media in your city, your fans throughout the league, like, you know, you, you talk to various people around the league, scouts and people that know people and all that. And you go, oh, well, you know, such and such GM is drafting a lineman. They always draft linemen or they're looking for this. I guarantee you around the league, everybody's like, oh, yeah, you know, Rick's drafting the corner. And, and Rick knew it. And so he's like, yeah, I'm going to draft the corner. OK. And then, and then he would. You just didn't know when. And that was obviously the, the, the biggest uh, question that with Nick, we don't know. We don't know whether. He really likes quarterbacks. Maybe he drafts two of them. I mean, maybe he doesn't like quarterbacks. Maybe he likes kickers. <laughs> maybe he drafts two of them. The, the point being, we, we don't know what sort of trends Nick is going to have in the draft, but GMs develop them. I, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, just in watching Chris Ballard draft, he's going to draft some twitched up athletic dudes on the offensive and defensive line at the linebacker positions. That's what he's, that's what he's looking for. And you know, when it comes to, you know, is he going to draft a, you know, a a 335 pound guard who's a little sloppy? No, he's going to probably draft a 305 rocked up athlete um, because that's just, that's been the trend and he's acknowledged it. He knows that's just part of what the, the Colts are, are looking for. So 
there are trends that GMs fall into, just like there are coaches and play calling, just like there are players out on the field. You know, for Rick, it was one thing. Nick, we'll find out. We'll find out what it is. And I just, I love the fact that he just was like, look, I'm, you know, I'm not telling you anything without even, without even saying it. He didn't, you know, he'd answer, he'd answer the question without answering the question. And that's what he is supposed to do. Kind of a dance in futility. Yes. You know, for both sides, but <laughs> yes, it's something that happens. Yes. It's something you, uh, you do every single year. All right. With that in mind, let's chit chat about defensive backs. You like, give me three total that you think are going to be around in the 67 range when the Texans are picking that you think would be nice fits, not just for this team, but really nice fits anywhere uh, at corner and safety. Who do you see? Well, I, man, I think this corner class is very, very good. I think there are four guys that, to me, you could really, if they're all healthy, and that's the key because one of them, the guy that that would be number one on my board, and I bumped him down just because I actually had the same surgery he did. Now, I'm a lot older than he is, but it's taken me a while to come back from it, and I, I just don't know how quickly he's going to be able to get back. And that's Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech. He, he would be number one on my board. But the four are Caleb Farley, Patrick Sertan the second, Greg Newsom the second, and then maybe the most talented of the bunch is J.C. Horn. Uh, two NFL fathers uh, with Patrick Sertan, all pro corner, and then J.C. Horn, whose father, Joe Horn, was a wide receiver. Those four stand out. They're the cream. So they're, they're, in a, they're in tier one. I think those guys are all first-rounders. I think at the back end of the first round, you could, again, another NFL, uh, NFL uh, former player's son, Asante Samuel Jr. Now, I would love to see him available for us because, you know, Asante Samuel Sr. was drafted by the New Patriots. England Patriots. Yes. Um, so there is obviously some recognition with Nick, and obviously Bill Belichick drafted him many, many years ago. Sante Samuel, a little smaller than his dad, but I went in thinking, okay, son of a fa- son of a former NFL player. Eh, let's see. Boy, I came out of there really loving it. Sante Samuel Jr. Eric Stokes, Tyson Campbell, both from Georgia, I think could be there at 67, like both of them. They've been Campbell, a little bit to the Texans by a few mock drafts. Yes. So. Yes, I could see both either one of them would be, I, I think, a fantastic pick at 67. Let me give you one that. I will be brutally honest. I love this brother, but his brother just didn't pan out. Now, his brother was a safety, and his brother actually played for the Patriots for a little bit. It just didn't come together, and I, and I don't know why. But when I watch the younger brother, Ifiatu Melifanwu mm. from Syracuse, the corner, when I went to the Senior Bowl, I was very intrigued by watching him at the Senior Bowl. And when I left the Senior Bowl, I was kind of confused. I was like – I can't, dang it, I can't, I can't figure out whether I really like him because there's a tendency, you know, for me to, when you've seen a, a younger brother, older brother, whatever, you know, you see the older brother and you're like, why did that guy fail? I know they're brothers, they can be totally different, but a lot of times it's the other way. It's like, oh, that guy was a success. This guy's going to be a success. Mm-hmm. This brother was great. This brother's going to be great too. And it doesn't always happen that way. Well, Obi Melifonwu was a safety at UConn, was an athletic freakazoid. And I was like, that's got to translate. And then it just never came together. 
find out, okay, why? And then you realize, you know, he wasn't a guy that loved football, that loved everything that went with it, apparently. And you thought, okay, well, maybe his brothers wound the same way. And they try to play him at corner. And I'm like, man, big corners. You know, we've seen Lonnie Johnson go from corner to safety. Like, man, you had as a big, bigger corner, 205 pound, almost 6'3 corner. Man, you got to be able to move. You got to be able to slide your feet and run. So I came back from the senior bowl and I put him up on my list to say, this is a guy you got to watch. Okay. So about two weeks ago, I'm getting near the end of my second revision. He's just staring me in the face. If you have to, Mel Fonwu, got to study him. I'm like, all right, got to study him. Okay, let's dive in. Flip on, go back and watch every, sing, every single one-on-one senior bowl rep. And I remember the very first one I pull up and I'm like, whoa, those feet are fantastic. Then I pull up a couple of games and I'm watching him games and watching him break on the ball and I'm watching him move and watching him in one-on-one coverage and watching him, you know, uh, break on the football from depth, play press, play off, play zone. And I'm like, man, I really like this guy. I ended up slotting my think like 58, 59, which is about the spot maybe that you, you know, you know, Justin Reed, I had it 44, I think. And he ended up going to 67. Um, you know, Titus, I had it like 40 something. He ended up going to 23. You just never know with these things. But if Yatu Melfanu from out of Syracuse, um, I think at, at 67 would be a bang up pick. You got a few others after that. Robert Rochelle from Central Arkansas. I called a couple of games when he younger, when he was a um, mm-hmm. freshman, Central Arkansas, can absolutely fly. He is a freak, but techniques all over the place. He's got he's got some growing to do. Um, I think he's a guy to watch later rounds. And here's it, Aaron Robinson from UCF is not a guy I love like some other people, but he could play the nickel spot. He could play an outside zone corner. I think he could do that. Two other guys in the Harris 100, Marco Wilson from Florida. A lot of people remember for the cleat throw against LSU. He is wildly talented. If you can rein that in, he's going to end up being one way of a player. And another guy that's kind of been off the radar screen just because of injury, COVID opt-out, whatever, is Paulson Adebo from Stanford. 6'1", almost 200 pounds, big, thick, strong corner. And he just hasn't played a ton of football because of opt-outs and because of injuries. So – I think once you get to the Campbell, Stokes, Melifanu area in that direction, I think you can end up finding a corner that makes a lot of sense at number 67 for sure. Interesting indeed. All right, go check out the Harris 100. Go check out on HoustonTexans.com also the success stories at 212, 203, 195 because there have been players taken in NFL history where the Texans are picking that have really come up big and done great things in their career. Like the latest one I did was uh, pick 195 or 158 and yep. Jay Novacek got taken by the St. Louis oh. Cardinals. Yeah. At, uh, 85, 86 around 85, 86 draft. He had been, I don't know if you remember this, you probably do because you know everything, but at the university of Wyoming, he wasn't mm-hmm. just a great football player for them. They, they ran the ball most of the time, but he was a good t- uh, pass catcher. He was also a decathlete and he's like, he had set school records in the decathlon yeah. there for Wyoming. So started his career with the Cardinals and was a plan B free agent, which that whole thing. I remember that. Oh, oh. Cowboys snapped him up in 1990. They had a losing season, but they made a jump from the one win season of, of 1989. And then from 91 through 95, 
They were playoff teams. They won three Super Bowls. They played in an NFC title game. Novacek was a big, big part of all that. He was a real, you know, just safety outlet for Troy Aikman, who, uh, you know, as we all know, was a Hall of Famer. You know, one of the things that I've done, Drew, is I've gone through and I've taken the Harris 100. It's turned into Harris 250. I think I'm almost at 260 now. Uh-huh. And I've probably got another 150 or so I could put in there, but I kind of stopped at 250 something because that's where the end of the draft is. And so you mentioned pick number 158. So if we went by just the Harris 100, mm-hmm. pick number 67 would be safety from Indiana, ball hawk, Jamar Johnson from Indiana. I'd yeah. be very, very good with that. Pick. Our next pick is 109, correct? Yep. That pick would be an outside linebacker, Charles Snowden. Now, I don't think the Texans would take him because I do think he would end up being more 3-4 outside linebacker, but he could play a, a stack off-ball position, almost 6'7", 235 pounds. Very interesting player. Our next pick is 158, right? Yep. Harris 250 would say Isaiah McDuffie, linebacker from Boston College, who I think would be a great fit. He reminds me a little bit, actually, of KPL, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, who the Texans already have. But out of Boston College, he's a whale of a player uh, at Will Linebacker. Um, you said 195? Is that another one of our picks? Uh, man, wait, you just threw me off there a second because I think we've missed one. It is 67, 109, 147, mm-hmm. and then 158 from the Patriots, okay. 195 from the Patriots. 203, okay. that's from Miami. 212 is from the Saints. Ah. 233 from Cincinnati. So the first three picks, round three, round four, round five, those are the Texans' original picks. Everything yep. from uh, the fifth rounder from the Pats on through the seventh, all via trade with others' teams. So yeah. they dealt away theirs, and they've got their third, their fourth, and their fifth, as well as they dealt away the first and second. But that was back in the uh, Laramie Tunsil, Kenny Stills deal. So, yeah. You mentioned 147. This actually would be a really fun player I have ranked here. And that's Wyatt Hubert from my K-State defensive end, who is a house of fire. He's got some twitch, good pass rush moves. He is fun to watch. When you when I first saw him, I was like, that guy's he's a tiny guy. Then you see him up close and you're like, no, 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 he's not tiny. He's six, almost six three, two sixty-five and was one of the better pass rushers uh, in that I could see him playing in, a, in a, our 4-3, but Lovey Smith wants to run. He would be a really good fit. So pick 147, if it follows the Harris 250, Wyatt Hubert would end up being a pick at 147, which would be kind of fun. House of Fire from Kansas State. That sounds like another guy who's a house of fire from Kansas State that works in the building with us and Gavin. Yeah, so Of course. Um, yeah, you can't have too many house of fires from Kansas State. <laughs> Exactly. UG, G squared himself. But uh, yeah. hey, John, always fun talking with you. And we'll do it again next week. It's going to be draft week then. Can't wait. Oh, that'll be fun, man. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Drew. All right.